Excited. This time again, excited. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a hot sermon. It's been, uh, well, um, loving words from Jesus, but tough. If you have a tendency to worry and be anxious, or if you want to have new things and money all the time, it will be pressuring you in all the right spots. Hopefully, will Jesus' words do that to you because he's asking for you something better, just like people have been pr praying so far to lift their eyes up, not on those temporal, but what is eternal. And Jesus is going to ask us uh, to let go of our idols so we can actually truly worship who he is and be set free to live that life that he has for us. Um, and I was just I, I was just thinking as we were praying, I was just thinking about, man, that's what he does to Israel all the time. You know, he keep, they keep picking up these idols. They keep picking up these uh, uh, false gods. But you say Jesus is doing it in a different way. He's telling the Pharisees and us, you know what, maybe you're not worshiping small idol statues, but you keep picking other things that you put before me. Whether that is wealth or that is anxiousness, it's trusting in something different than who God is. So let's pray together. Um, if you can, uh, if you do the slides, yeah. And not pray. We'll read together. That's what I'm saying. So we'll read. Jesus continuing. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will devote, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, be, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than the food and the body more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, 
O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. So I was, uh, I was just uh, as I was uh, preparing for this message. Satuk was like, "Oh, that's my favorite verses." I was like, "Well, it's great. It's great that you're leading." Um, and I was also thinking, "My, like, there's probably not many of these things that you have not heard before." But I want to say, just like I said in the introduction, that when Jesus presses on us in these areas of trust. And like, what is our lives? What are we living our lives for? I was encouraged this week or discouraged, I don't know. Uh, I think it's an encouragement. But sometimes we make our lives about everything else than seeking God first. Like we, maybe not on purpose, like us who love Jesus, it's not on purpose, it just sneaks in. And like some guy was talking about, there's nine ways you get depression. And he said two two of them are genetic and medical. Uh, what is it called? Um, chemical. The seven the seven the seven others we cause ourselves to be depressed. I'm wondering if it has something to do with the same. Also, sometimes that's going to be the last part. It is life is difficult. It's hard. Things don't go our way. There's wars. It's like, there's so many things that are difficult. The person said, in human history, everyone has known this was true. But we live in a world where we see TV, we see all sorts of other things. We are lured into thinking that we will live our life with no pain, with no trouble. And then we end up getting depressed. Because we look like, oh, well, it can't be like this, you know. I'm, uh, I'm even trying to follow Jesus. I'm like, everything is going to be fine. Like, I'm, I'm being told that everything has to be fine. That is not the world we live in. We have been spared by the grace of God from many troubles. But most of you know that every day doesn't go the way you planned it in your head. And if you think that it was supposed to be like that, I would say you were going to get depressed really fast. There's many demands every day that you can't fulfill. You meet annoying people on the road, you meet other people different places, and you see brokenness everywhere. 
Jesus promised us a few things. And we've gone through it already. And then to the last one. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and, and utter all kinds of evil against, falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. It's from 5 to 12. If our lives are supposed to look like that, why will we ever think that our world is not going to give us trouble? But... The good news is that we don't have to despair because in the trouble we know Jesus is with us. That's why everything makes a difference. We don't have to get depressed. We have to continue to seek who he is so he's with us in it. But don't fall for the false hope of this world and the glitter and glimmer saying that my life will not have trouble. And don't give up. Don't give up. You are going to have problems at work, at home, in church, even if you want. We've got conflicts, all those things. But don't give up. Because Jesus is with us. Jesus asks us, to not gather treasures on earth. I thought it was a funny part, and maybe that's more on the wealth that they had at that time. It was just like, because your wealth would be eaten. Well, that's because if they had many garments, they could actually get eaten by worms. <laughs> so the, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. But so maybe today, so maybe today our wealth doesn't get eaten a lot. Um, maybe it does, but. Um, but it does the second part. You can't, somebody can break into your house and steal what you have. Or you can lose everything in a war. And even if you get really, really wealthy on earth, and I've been thinking about it sometimes, then it ends up like very, very wealthy people, they, they then end up living in something that could look like a prison because there's a gate, there's alarms, that's all sorts of things. So to protect their wealth, they have to protect themselves from the world. In a self-imposed prison, then at what point is your treasures owning you and not you owning your treasures? Most of you don't really have that much. But just to, just to, <laughs> just to go, at, just to go uh, at your hearts, because even poor people can be, can be uh, hunting for money and thinking that that could be what can solve all my problems. They can't. Treasures on earth cannot fulfill any of the things I said before, and they cannot fulfill your deepest needs. It's a fake hope. And one person said, like, is your stuff owning you? Or are you owning your stuff? And then he also, I think that was another person, said, to remember when you buy things. Most of all the things you buy, in some years they will end up in the dump. That's just a picture of how temporal some of these things are. They will just come a newer version. 
There would just be something new. Jesus invites us instead to lay up treasures in heaven where they will last, where no one can steal it. They won't rust or be eaten. Then Jesus, how? But trusting in God, by doing the works he calls us to do, but being obedient, forgiving as we have forgiven. No, forgiving as we have been forgiven. The loving as we were loved. Sharing about Jesus as somebody has shared with us. Praying, helping, living to the glory of God. Those treasures, no one can take away from you. And what people say on their deathbed is never, oh, I wish I spent more time at the office. I wish I would have made more money. Most people go, I wish I would have spent more time with the people that I loved. Or I wouldn't have given my life to Jesus earlier. So there's nothing wrong with money. And Jesus even says in the parable of this dishonest manager that sometimes the children like they're not so good with money. But if you have money, use it for good. James says the same. Like, don't... It's not that money is bad, but just use it for good and don't trust in it. But use it for the glory of God. And Jesus, he, in 21, he, he closes in on, like, what's the real problem here? The problem is that our hearts are going to follow what we treasure. And so is our treasure with Jesus following him? Have we given ourselves over to some forms of idols here? that if I could just have that, then it would be great. Or if I just had enough wealth, then everything would be fine. So Jesus continue, although Jesus' words can seem so hard sometimes, or at least confronting, he, he, I really believe he's asking us, into life like give these things up so you will have real life there's no life in those things you'll be a slave of those things you'll be a slave of your wealth even maybe imprisoned by it having to defend it then then he comes to what I think is a confusing part (laughs) like he starts talking about people's eyes like I think it was going well so well it was going well until this part he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So your eye is healthy. Your whole body is full of light. What are you talking about? Jesus is using um, more pictures. At this point also, what does the eyes, eyes symbolize? And what are they like? Like a uh, parenthesis is I started looking at people I like it I started looking at um, I started looking at pictures of people's eyes can I find somebody who had dark eyes and could I look at this and then I know from uh, I know from doctors like if you look at people's eyes you can diagnose like 10 diseases 
cancer and uh, diabetes and other interesting sicknesses. You can, but just look in people's eyes. I'm not sure that's what Jesus says, but that's what you can today by simply looking into people's eyes. I think what Jesus is doing at this point is he's using, as sometimes the Bible does, and as, as um, John does a lot, he uses, he uses light and darkness as good and bad. So he's saying, like, if you, are, if you have honest eyes, honest eyes that are not full of greed and not full of gain, then you have light eyes. Your whole body is light. But the problem is if your eyes are dark, what's the problem? The biggest problem about being blind is you can't see. But what if you're blind and you think you can see? That's even worse. That's what Jesus is addressing. If you are, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a disposition where you think I am a light, and I'm not greedy, and I'm not after gain, but you are, then the darkness is even worse. And that's always what he says to the Pharisees at some point. Like when they say, like, are we, <laughs> are we also blind? Yeah. Because you think you're not blind. You are blind. So Jesus, he goes to it and he's like, okay, what I'm saying to you is that you have to pick. You have to pick. You can't, you can't trust in God and trust in money at the same time. You have to pick. Who will you serve? Will you serve the Lord of all things, who knows all things, who knows all you need, or will you serve and live for temporary things that, what a great illustration, <laughs> the Monopoly game. It will be just, it will just be folded back together in the box and you will not have any of it. And so I always want to think, so we know what we're going to, like, it's, uh, not many of you today are just like, I am choosing to serve money. Like, I, 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 not many of you will do that, but what is it, what are you feeling, right? I was, you know you should say Jesus. But, but what's taking up most of your brain power, your money, your time, your hard work? Is it school? Is it work? Is it fame? Is it money? Is it wanting praise? Is it my kid? Is it my spouse? What are the idols that's trying to push God away and coming in and taking all your focus? Jesus wants to expose this in us so we'll see it. Repent of it and come and serve only to the Lord God. Because his works is eternal. And they're great. And then just a few reasons why not to serve money. I mean, Mammon died twice in my lifetime. And I'm not the oldest person. So... And money died in the dot com crash, and then in two thousand nineteen in the fin- in the financial crisis, money also died has a tendency to resurrect but so it's wealth is way more temporary than we think 
And today many rich people from Russia are losing most of what they have. They think they have money, but then it's frozen. They can't have it. And all your money in the bank can disappear by a button. If you watch those movies, sometimes the person on the run, they just shut down his credit cards, he has no money. That can actually also happen to you. You can say, I'll just buy gold. It's just not very easy to have handy. It's very heavy and Rema, I'm pretty sure, don't take gold. So, and one drug lord, he said one time he was in a cave and they were just burning money to try to stay warm. Our financial system works. Sometimes. But it only works if we all agree that things have value. The system is based on trust. And here's the kicker. We have either blindly or on good reason, faith and trust is a system of money. But we've seen it fail over and over again. So why would you trust in it? But why do we then have that pull inside of us? Why did Jesus even address this? He addresses it because it's one of the things that can pull us to like, well, if I just have enough money in my bank and I'm not paying, then I'll be fine. I think I shared it many times. I had like, I would go to work with my keys and my phone and my wallet. And if I have my wallet, I can make all the things. The day was fine. But it's an illusion in our head. Because there's many things money can't do. So God gives us the freedom to serve Him instead of serving the idols that will enslave us instead. Jesus is inviting us to live our lives so we will gain eternal wealth and freedom instead of these temple things. I don't know if you sometimes have been, I don't know, offended, but how many times does it work when you say to somebody, don't be anxious? How many times does that work? No, but Jesus said it. Jesus says it. So why would he say it? Like, let's stop being anxious. A command to stop being anxious. Like, when we do that, like, well, that doesn't help us stop it. Unless you do what Jesus does because he points to something and he points to something else instead he doesn't he says don't worry he says don't worry trust in God he puts something else instead so Jesus is calling us to himself by saying stop worrying and come to me he points to God who has provided for us already so much. And like Jesus has said twice, God knows our needs. And Jesus has his, he's, he uses lots of very interesting picture, the word pictures and stuff, and illustrates to the people. You don't have to worry about your clothing, what you're going to eat, 
uses the birds. He uses the flowers. And then he hits us with a, a confrontious word and says, Is your life not more than food and clothes? He engages us at those levels. He knows we need those things. He also goes to like, you cannot focus so much on them that they become more important than God. Then he talks about the birds and saying, God feeds the birds. Are they not of more value? No, are you not of more value than them? And how many of us know this? And we read this passage and it's difficult because we know after the passage that we might start worrying about this again. I have an anecdote. <laughs> we had, I went to a Catholic school in 10th grade and we, I can't even remember. There were some missionaries doing some dancing, doing something. And I wasn't a Catholic. There was two Catholics in my school, in my class. And so one of the ladies, she cites this verse. <laughs> After they leave, one of, the, one of the Catholics says, yeah, that's fine with her. She has like new clothes for the H&M. She can say that. Just, show, just exposing a heart that she did not believe that verse. And so we can, we, can, we can come to this text and people can quote this text to us. And we can trust, and we can know that God feeds the birds and gives and have the flowers come up. But we can still distrust that he will provide for us. And then Jesus goes to the core, you know. God can provide for all things. But then Jesus says, you know what? You are anxious or worried about many things. But what do you achieve? In 27, what do you achieve? Can you add another hour of your life by worrying? No. No. So our fretting and worrying and anxiousness achieves nothing. So Jesus is asking us to take take the idol of wealth and money and throw it in the fire along with my my the anxiousness which is really bound in mind and wanting to control everything. I'm actually God that will figure it out because it's the opposite of prayer. It's taking this anxiousness and throwing it into the fire as well, or laying it down at the cross to say, Jesus, you know how anxious I am. That's why you confront me with this word. You also know how easy I do it instead of trusting who you are. And Jesus, you say right here that all my anxiousness is just enslaving me to myself that can't solve it. Help me let go of those things and come to you.
the problem is like these things take away our focus, they distract us. Distract us from fellowship with God, from worship. And then she achieves nothing. In Philippians, uh, we have had it many times, the verse, Paul says, don't worry about anything. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything, but with thanksgiving, make you known and make your request known to God. Rejoice. Paul's not saying things won't be difficult. But he says with thanksgiving, pray and don't worry because Jesus is coming. Prayer is the opposite of worry. It's us taking ourselves away. The anxiousness is me finding a solution to like, Jesus, I don't have the solution. But I know I would thanksgiving can bring my requests to you instead of being anxious and worrying about them. Jesus also hits another maybe uh, another another nerve in where he when he sums it up. Oh, you of little faith! Does our anxiousness really show we don't have faith in who God is? Do we trust more in ourselves than in God, so we don't put Him first? by ourselves so Jesus is saying don't be anxious trust in me instead and he goes back to what we talked about last time because Jesus says God knows what you need so in 33 we get the solution but seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you're worrying about will be added to you. So why not be anxious? Because God already knows and trusted in him, it will be resolved. So Jesus is continuing to ask us into life instead of what would imprison us and, and take away so much of our energy and vitality and, and living for him because we're anxious about things. Seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. And you know why? I just thought about that now. You know, you know why that's important? Because even if I find a solution, it will be my solution. And it might not be God's solution. Because what we think, oh, this is going to be a great solution, we're still thinking it from who we are. But if we haven't run it past Jesus, maybe there's some things that in that plan seem good, but it's not great. Or it's not actually going to lead to where we want to be following Jesus. So trust and seek God's kingdom first. That is the antidote of materialism and trust in money and anxiety, that we trust in God first. 
And then we're confronted with it. But you have so little faith. Okay, but then just say to Jesus, I have so little faith. I'm trusting in other things. Help me. Trust in you instead. So he's getting at our hearts and motives. And it's like, what, why do you serve? Who do you serve? Lord, help my unbelief. Oh, yes, Lord, you can provide. I want to see the kingdom first. That is because that's your freedom for us, Jesus. It's your plan that we enjoy and trust who you are. And I was just thinking, money is never the issue. It's a God issue. It's like, what God are we going to worship? Just a, Money is neutral. We talked about that. It's not evil. You can use it for good. Just don't love it. Um, and if God has blessed you, and maybe out there, that you're really good at making money, well, do that in an honorable honorable way while you glorify God. Do it and use it for good. Plenty of people can use money in ministry. So just make the money you can in an honest way, glorifying God. Do that. I'm never saying that's bad. Money is neutral. It's how we use it. But anxiousness and worry won't let us lead us to trust in God. And just like we talked about before, <laughs> this is a command. So when we choose not to do it, we are worshiping somebody else. Either ourselves or a false God. And it expo- exposes our sin that we aren't trusting in Jesus. We have to lay down our anxiety at the cross. But you might say, I'm just, I'm just trying, you know, provide for my family. I'm just trying to do these things. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just trying to find a solution. I'm just trying to handle this conflict. But it's in my own way. So who do you worship? Myself. So Jesus here, he's calling us out. He's like, Stop living for material things and stop being anxious. It's one of your biggest issues. And by the way, you have little faith. And we're left that like, thank you, Jesus. Um, but like I said, it's an invitation to trust God, to seek the kingdom first and his righteousness. And other problems will go away. We can bring ourselves to prayer and how we're invited to trust God. We can pray instead of giving giving us ourselves. I skipped the part. I'm going to jump back to that part. (laughs) Because, I will say something. I don't see myself as an anxious person. I don't. I don't think I trust in money very much. I hadn't really for a long time has really never been a goal but then this week and other weeks but particularly this week after I had had prayer time and I had worshipping I was thinking about the text and I think what I sometimes call thinking might actually be worrying I won't use the I'm not really worried but I'm really thinking about stuff a lot well, the thing the Lord was saying, do you know what all that thinking is? Oh, maybe that shows anxiety in a different way. That I think it's all about how well I solve it. 
and really uh, for me and for you an invitation to come to God instead what if our Christian lives were never about us figuring it out but actually at all the moments we have to ask God what to do and so <laughs> like I said just don't be anxious don't trust in this all these things you know are not easy and that's why Jesus says it's difficult here when he goes to the core of who we are but it's better we know it's better we know it's better he calls us to something better all the time but just like with anxiety stop stop being anxious stop being mad stop being annoying we, we know it's so difficult we don't just stop doing those things because it's impossible we don't change ourselves maybe we can modify our behavior for a short time but we can't change ourselves so we need to come to God we need to come to Jesus and just be honest about the things that are troubling us and say like I don't want these things please take them and Jesus said thank you that's actually what I wanted you to see I'll take him for you. So it's impossible on our own, but because of what God has done, by sending Jesus, he made it possible for us to be close to him and be redeemed to him. Jesus comes and he lives the perfect life. He dies for sin. He conquers Satan in, in the death. He rises again to give us justification and righteousness. And we have this blessed hope that he's coming back. Like, Jesus, like Paul says, don't worry because Jesus is coming back. That's what Jesus is trying to call us to. Jesus is trying to call us to worship of God instead of trusting on ourselves. But instead to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is trying us to, to do and ask us to do. So with all of my sermons, I want to challenge you and confront you with Jesus because it's better. He's asking us to go a better way. I could have just skipped all those things and then it wouldn't be hard. But it is. When Jesus confronts us with our idols, he wants us to break those idols and trust in him. And that's what we need to hear. We also need to hear that life is not easy. But God knows and he's with us. So don't give up. The gospel's too big for that. Yes, we might not have success and all sorts of things. But we've already won. Because he's coming back. And make all things new. And that's where the treasures are. That's why we need to encourage each other. Yes, this is, this is, Christian life is also sometimes stinky. It's going too slow. I want to be more like Jesus. It's a process of us having this revealed by Jesus and then encouraging one another. You know what? <laughs> I'm going, I'll, no, I'll, go, I'll, do, I'll try to contain myself. We were talking about why is the resurrection important? Because it's the basis of everything we have. The gospel is the base of everything we have. I would not be standing here, I would not live my life this way if Jesus had not changed me, if God does not love us and come into the world to set us free from the dumb idols that we cling to that are imprisoning us. He comes and bursts all those things away. What does the resurrection prove? It proves that all those things are true. 
because Jesus said he would do it. That's the encouragement we have for all of us. Just like, don't give up. Jesus rose, and he's coming back. So throw away those stupid idols, and let's help each other do that, because he is awesome, and we know it. Amen. Oh, that's good. Good, God. Thank you. And we can get excited about who you are. Jesus is so important. Just so important to encourage us. And I just want you to encourage anyone who's listening to this message later and now. Help us, Lord. It's so easy to get discouraged. We know we fail. We know we don't. Ah, man, we trust in different things. Lord, help us. Thank you for the callback. Thank you for the call to repent and trust you fully. And I ask, help us every day to realize this. Lord, I just know, like sometimes I don't even realize what I'm doing. Help me to trust in you moment by moment. Help us to be a fellowship where we call each other out and in love and say, man, I know it's hard. There's great hope in this. You know the gospel. You know Jesus died. He rose. He's coming back. Let us live for that. That's worthy of it all. That's true life. That's what... Lord Jesus, I thank you. That's what I want to live for. Help us do that. Help us encourage one another as we do that together. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you must stand for the benediction. Today we're going to do Jude... Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God and Savior through Jesus Christ, O Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.